This whole last four weeks, we've been looking at this message of heaven and hell that Jesus talked about a lot. More than anybody else in the Bible, he taught on each of those topics. Because he's the one that designed all of that. Does it bother you that God said that there is a hell? Does it bother you that he said that there is a way that leads to him? And there is a path that's wide to destruction. And many find it. There's a lot of things Jesus says. And we've been looking at that for the course of this year. And some of us are like, yeah, I just don't really like that. And it's okay. You've got to be honest with it. But that doesn't mean that it isn't true. No, I don't like that the Mariners blew it. But it's real. <laughs> I don't like that if I eat whatever I want, my body does what I don't want it to do. <laughs> but it's real. And so Jesus said, is what we've been looking at, and he said something really profound. I'm going to read for you the text in its entirety that we've been reading. I'm really going to let Jesus say, because we've taught a lot on this. Please be open. Please be aware. That God is God and you're not. And he's crazy about you, but he doesn't worship you. <laughs> Join me, please. Matthew 25, 31 through 46. As you're turning to it, I will point out something that people think is always pointed out at church. This is a place by the miracle of God that runs on people faithfully giving prayer, faithfully giving their time, and faithfully giving money towards the ministries that are happening here and all over the world through here. So if this is your church home, please keep giving. If it isn't, sit and receive, but you're going to have to give somewhere. So give somewhere. Give to the kingdom of God and last forever as we've been talking about. So here we go. Matthew 25, 31 through 46. When the Son of Man, Jesus, comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Please understand, this is Jesus speaking. He's talking about the final judgment. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, the sheep, come, you who are blessed by my father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, uh, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when do we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on the left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also answer, saying, Lord, 
When did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he'll answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. He will separate. It's true. And that quit crying when you pray. <laughs> I got to get up here and talk about things and try to keep it together. But there's daily that I'm praying for friends, but especially loved ones that are far from God. And I don't want them to be separated forever. God doesn't want them to be, but people choose. Willingly, they choose. They double down. But we want repentance, and as long as somebody's breathing, they can. But these things are real. Three different ways that we've talked about this over the last month. Eternal punishment or eternal life. These are the options. We love that there might be some kind of somehow in-between place. Purgatory. Maybe soul sleep. Maybe somehow Jesus will come to the people in hell and give them one last chance. Can't find that in the Bible. But we'd like it. Friends, this is it. This is the choice. This is the option. This is the place where you get to choose those things. We call them heaven or hell. Do you remember the word Gehenna, right? It's this picture of this valley that was kind of on fire where junk and trash and carcasses of animals would go and Jesus would say this is like he'd use that Greek word Gehenna and it would look like this he's saying this is a picture of what it's looking like it's not like it's here and then once this earth is destroyed then there's no more hell you guys Revelation's super clear about this one. Jesus is super clear about this one. Paul is super clear about it. The Old Testament is super clear about it. Hell is going to be eternal. And so is heaven. And we landed on that good news. Jesus also talked about paradise, which we'll look more into today, or Hades. Hades is this picture of hell. It's a Greek word that's like the Hebrew word sheol, which is grave. That's a place of the dead. There's a number of different teachings that come off of this that some people can look to the Bible and say, well, this is where I got my idea. And other people look to it and like, this is what I want. I want there to be a place where I could go to in a holding pattern and then be set free from not wanting God. Dear friend, that is not the reality of Jesus' teaching on all of this. I am an evangelist by God's design. I do preach accordingly. But I actually love all of the teaching that says, look, let's live like it. Case just pointed it out. God doesn't just say, hey, pray, get free from heaven, and don't worry about how you live the rest of your life. Or, excuse me, free from hell. <laughs> oh, slip of the tongue. Some people are like, like I said last week, there's a good news, bad news for following Jesus. 
Good news is he sets you free for eternity. The bad news is we got to live like him. That's not bad news. It's what you were designed for. A quick just aside, Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord. Could you just stop on that part for a second? Delight yourself in the Lord. Find joy there. Find hope there. Delight with light. It is the joy of your life. And it's not an it. He's a he. And that's why heaven's such a big deal. But delight yourself in the Lord and you'll get the desires of your heart. Many people have said, oh, I'm a Christian. Then I get my wish list. I want shoes that never wear out. I want to be six foot two. I want to be 185 pounds. My problem is, is that I'm really close to one of those. <laughs> and so we think, yes. Heaven's this me getting everything I want. Psalm 37 says he's the delight of your heart. And so when you get these things, it's more of him. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. If you delight in him, he's the desire of your heart. If that's not where you're at right now, let me just stop and pray with you. Jesus, would you become more important to us than anything else, than anybody else? Without being rude to people, help us be about your business. Help us to take your teaching of loving you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength as the most important commandment. And then we love our neighbors as we love ourselves. God, help us to want you more than we do. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So you're about to hear a, some people call it a parable, some people call it a story, some people just call it a teaching. I, I'm okay to say all of it. But it's going to look very, very familiar to some of you. And I don't want it to be something that you go, oh, gosh, I've already heard that. This encapsulates Jesus' teaching on heaven and hell. And it's Jesus encapsulating it. Please join me in Luke 16, 19 through 31. Jesus is a master teacher. He's the best teacher ever. I guess it's funny. It's ironic. It's a little bit scary that Almost every world religion considers Jesus a good teacher. And yet he taught some things that are just flat out hard to take. And so some people, ah, I don't like that part. Like we're going to some kind of buffet line. Mm, I'll take some of the love. Ooh, gosh, truth? No thanks. Um, oh, look, that's <laughs> kindness. Yeah, I'll take some kindness. Isn't it kind to tell the truth to somebody? My wife definitely tells me the truth, and I got a chance to tell her the truth yesterday in a really subtle way. She smiles and laughs, and I'm like, you got something in your teeth right there. <laughs> and she's like, um, and then, yeah, it's gone. It's kind to be truthful. This has been a warning. This has been an invitation. This has been a comfort. This has been a reminder to so many people. So here you go. Jesus telling this story about paradise. 
Hades. Hades is symbolic for hell, but it's also the place of the dead, Sheol. There is a time, and this is it. I'm telling you what I believe about this. You can go wherever you want with it. Honestly, you've got free will. I believe what the Bible has for us in the Old and the New Testament and what Jesus teaches gives us this clarity. And this particular teaching gives it to me even more. Before Christ died and rose from the dead, there was a place of the dead separated. Paradise, heaven, as we would understand it, and then Hades, or Sheol, or suffering, torment, it's hell. This all is a picture of what that's like. There was a holding place, but it wasn't a holding place where you could get out of it if you screwed up in your lifetime, or a soul sleep. Friends, so clear through the word, you die, and then there's judgment. You die, and then there's separation, or there's comfort in Christ with the Lord. He's not pretending on that one. But I want to get to it. Luke 16, 19 through 31. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple. Go dogs. And he also had fine linen who feasted sumptuously every day. Who is this guy? What is, got any modern day equivalencies of this guy? Dressed in purple. Forget the whole dog thing. I won't do that next hour. But the truth is, <laughs> it was a color of majesty. It was tough to get. Dying anything took a lot of money and a lot of time. And he had linen, he was just dressed nicely, and he ate super well, feasted daily. Any pictures of that? Government officials, officials, professional athletes, rich people. This is who we look at and say, man, they're blessed. They've got so much. So Jesus starts with a stark picture of a lot. And at this rich man's gate laid a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. Some of you are like, (laughs) this is a very stark picture of how nasty his life was here. If you don't have a picture of somebody like that, you're not looking. It's not just in a developing country. They're walking on Main Street like zombies in your little town. And he says, look, haves and have-nots. One super rich, one super poor. Verse 22. The poor man died and was carried by angels to Abraham's side. Abraham's bosom. This is a picture in, in the Hebrew culture. They called it Abraham's lap. This was where the good would go. Good because they're righteous and had faith. 
I believe that this is where people went before Jesus died and rose from the dead. And that he was carried to Abraham's side or Abraham's bosom. Picture of this paradise. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. So it's a place of death. Two options there. Somebody really quick who's been listening, what are those two options in this place of death? Paradise or Hades? Comfort, joy, good stuff. Torment, hell, flame, sucks. And so he is able to see him. And I don't understand if this is how it is or it's just for the picture or we're just getting a little glimpse in. That part doesn't seem super clear to me. But Jesus is telling this story and he's giving us insight. And the rich man who doesn't get a name looks up, sees Lazarus, the once poor man, at Abraham's side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I'm in anguish in this flame. I'm not at a party. I'm not with my homies. I'm not enjoying life on my own terms. I'm in torment. And I need somebody just a drop of water would be so nice. Would you send that poor dude to do it? Not a whole lot of repentance happening. Not a lot of change. He wants to be comforted. And don't we all? I'm in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, child... Remember that you in your lifetime received your good things and Lazarus, in like manner, bad things. But now he's comforted here and you are in anguish. Each dies and yet lives. One in comfort and one in torment. Please don't look at this as teaching like if you're poor, you're in. If you're rich, like Jesus said, it's tough to make it to the kingdom of heaven. It's because you're a rich guy. It's because of faith and where you put it. You put your faith in Jesus, rich or poor, he's your reward. You put your faith in you or others or whatever it might be that isn't Jesus, you're separated. It's torment. So the suffering we have here is temporary for some of us. The suffering we have here was an introduction to forever for some of us. Jesus is the only way. Verse 26. This is... Abraham speaking, like, look, man, you had your stuff in, in life that was good, and now it's not good for you at all, and it won't be. And Lazarus suffered, but not anymore. Verse 26, it says, besides all this, between us and you, 
is a great chasm. It's been fixed. Can we just put that together in our minds? It's been fixed. It's set. We have some engineers in the house. We have some detail-oriented people. We have builders. We have amazing designers. Something that's fixed isn't just like it was broken, it's fixed. It's put in place. There is a gap between heaven and hell. In order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able to. And none may cross from there to us. And so the rich man says, then I beg you, Father, to send him, Lazarus, to my father's house. For I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. I must point out, again, ACDC was dead wrong on this one. It's not a party. It's not joyful. It's not the promised land. And he knows that it's bad, and he just gets told that there's no way for him to have any comfort anymore. And he's like, then please send Lazarus, who's in paradise. Go tell my family. I don't want them coming here. Dear friend, if you're a Christ follower, you know the good news. Don't keep it to yourself. People are literally dying without Christ. And that's how forever goes. He says, please send Lazarus. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. They got the Bible. They've got the teachings that they grew up with. Let them listen to what's already been told to them. I'm going to let you know that his audience would have been a mix of people, but there would have been a bunch of religious leaders who didn't want Jesus, but they knew all about the Messiah. They knew all about heaven and hell. Some of them didn't agree or believe in it, but they knew all about the teachings. And Abraham's like, they should pay attention to what's already been given to them. And he said, no, Father Abraham. But if someone goes to them from the dead, they'll repent. We would think so, right? Somebody comes back from the dead? Maybe even a ghost of the way that goes. And I'm going to be really clear on this. I don't believe in that. I mean, sorry, happy Halloween, but the truth is... It's demons. It's appointed once a man to die, then the judgment. Somebody doesn't come back from the dead. And that's a tough one. Because some people are like, yeah, but my grandma helps me when I'm at the casino. <laughs> or more importantly, like you see something that seems super pleasant and comforting, and you're like, oh, that's my loved one from beyond the grave. If you see something comforting and good, that's Jesus saying, man, I love you. Wake up. Here I go. I'm showing you some love. I'm showing you some goodness. Did you like that wind and how the, the trees are dressed up for their death and it looks so beautiful? That's not your loved one. That's me saying, I love 
But, I mean, he says something here in verse 30. I mean, all of that aside, he says, if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. Ironically enough, same name, Lazarus, a real man who actually died and rose from the dead. People didn't actually repent. Some did. But a number of them are like, we got to kill this guy for good. Bad for business. They were given an absolute miracle in front of their very eyes. And many people came to Christ because of it, and they were really upset about it. We got to kill Jesus, and we got to kill Lazarus again. Verse 31, he said to them, if they don't hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Can I get after something just real quick? Jesus was about to die and rise from the dead, and they still didn't believe. And in this room, there's people that don't believe. You are loved, but I'm not going to leave you alone. Jesus didn't die and rise from the dead to defeat sin and death so you could say no thanks. And yet you will, and you can, but that's not what he did that for. Christian, if you are following the Lord, then this is such joy, such challenge, such comfort, such admonishment. Tell the truth. Live it out. Follow the Lord. It's him who set you free. Can you leave the elementary things behind? Yes, you can. These foundational things were repentance and all that, but you should actually keep walking in it. Like the fruit of repentance, you keep living in such a way that people are like, gosh, I never really believed all this, but I think there's something to it. Look at Adedayo's life. I want to follow Jesus. Look at that man. Look at this amazing woman who's lost everything in her life and she still loves the Lord. There's something to these weirdos. The Bible says in the King James, we're a peculiar tribe of brethren. Amen and amen. So there's paradise or Hades. There's with God or without. And I will affirm that I believe that hell isn't without God entirely. It's got his wrath, which is not what you want from God. And he doesn't want to give that to us. And yet we will receive that. Really quick, one more word on paradise. Turn just a few chapters away from Luke 16 to Luke 23. Jesus is now on the cross. In Luke 23, 39, we find out that criminals were next to him. And earlier in this passage and in Matthew, we find out that they were there and they were actually mocking Jesus. But one of them repents. Luke 23, 39. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him. At Jesus, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. Dear friend, as compassionate as I can be, I'm not Kathy, but I'm impacted by her quite a bit. 
she's mercy gifted. I'm encouragement and evangelistically gifted. But I want to be compassionate with you. You have things in life that are hard. You're suffering. You don't know exactly why God's doing what he's doing. Why he's allowing what he's allowing at the minimum. And you kind of rail at him. And he can handle that and he's big enough to handle it. But please don't build a life there because that's death. To alienate yourself from God. You are God. Why don't you save me from this? Beloved, if you're not feeling that salvation yet, if you're not feeling that goodness yet, it's coming. He makes all things work for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. All things. If it's not good yet, it's on its way. But this guy is like, man, if you are the Messiah, save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. That means corrected him, tried to shut him up. Do you not fear God? Since you're under the same sentence of condemnation? This reminds me, you guys, that we look around and we think, gosh, everything's just so lame. Everything? Sometimes we're like, yes, I can't think of one good thing. Okay, you're having a really bad go. It's a bad season. It's a bad day. But nothing good? How about the fact that God didn't snot rocket you into eternity like you deserved it? How about the fact that you've got breath in your lungs to be able to complain or to praise? How about the fact that you've got people around you, literally around you right this very second, that don't want your demise? They want to help you. They want to love you. Yeah, but they can't pay my rent. Man, probably not. You're going to limit it to just that? Well, that's what I need. No, you need love. You need grace. You need truth. And he's like, look, don't you fear God? We're under the same sentence of condemnation. And, verse 41, we indeed justly, like we are getting it because we deserve it. That's where it just fascinates me when people say so often, I don't know why God won't give me the things that I need. And some of you, that's very, very real. Like you're suffering in ways that I may never, ever understand. And I want to encourage you and I want to say, trust God and hang in there. But I've never, ever heard somebody say, Gosh, I just don't know why God has been so nice to me. I don't know why I keep getting these opportunities to figure stuff out. It's part of the perspective. Maybe some of you are. Maybe some of you are like Isaiah, where you're like, oh, get away from me. I'm a man of unclean lips. And he's like, I got you. Let me, I'm going to make you clean. See how that worked its way in, Jeffrey? How crazy is that? All right. This man's done nothing wrong. Perfection is dying for your imperfection. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. 
And Jesus said to him, I'm sorry. Truly, I say to you, today, you'll be with me in paradise. You're not going to get what you deserve. You get to be with me. Earlier, he was mocking Jesus, and he was railing against him. Jesus like, I don't want that for anybody. But these two guys, they're a picture of us. Some are going to get Jesus and some aren't. And those who want Jesus, get him. Those who don't, won't. I have a lot more to tell you. I don't have a lot of time and I'm just falling out. And I mean... I'm like super close to ugly cry right now. (laughs) But you guys, spend time, read about Jesus. Let it motivate you that this isn't just a doctrine. These are destinies we're talking about. Heaven and hell are real. Jesus said so. So how do you move towards him? All of us at some point need to repent. We need to confess. We need to repent and like turn back from our own way that would curse Jesus who's dying for our sins. In this case, has died and risen from the dead. We need to say, Lord, I believe that you're the Lord. Please forgive me for who I've been and what I've done and what I've taken is truth that isn't truth. I repent. I, I confess that you're the Lord. I believe that you died and you rose from the dead. That's your first step. Some of you are even before that. and I, Maybe just throw out a prayer. God, if you're real, show me. And then please look. Because he will. Many of you have already passed that step. And the move towards Jesus more is to know and read his word. Believe him, he doesn't just say something one time. He usually backs it up in so many other ways. So, know the Lord by reading his word together, talking about it. Small group, sure. If you're on there like, gosh, there's just no small group that works, maybe you're supposed to lead one. Shout out to me, Aaron D. at crosswaterchurch.org. That's two A's. The only straight A's I ever got in my life. Don't rob me of that. (laughs) Next, share what you're learning with others. And for some of you, you need to initiate some conversations with loved ones, people you care about, about life after death. Because there will be. I left out a ton of different passages. If you're a note taker, I'm going to ask you to look into Matthew 12, 40. Jesus talks about being in the earth for three days. I believe that when he said, today you'll be with me in paradise, I believe that he was telling that man, that thief that deserved hell, you're going to be with me in that place of the dead on the good side. 
And then when Jesus rose from the dead, I think that's now where you can have 2 Corinthians 5.8, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord, with Jesus. Ephesians 4, 8 through 10 talks about him ascending and descending. I know that that's heaven and earth. I do believe that there's a picture of us to know that he came. We hear in 1 Peter that he like preached to spirits. I don't at all believe that he preaches to those in hell. You have one more chance. That sounds really glorious and kind, and it would be. It just would be untrue according to the Bible and according to Jesus. I believe that those spirits that he was telling those demonic spirits that were held captive, you're never going to win. He proclaimed it. He didn't preach the gospel to them. He told them. But there's, we can argue, we can debate, but what we can't argue about is that heaven and hell are real, and there's one place for you to land. You don't get to land in the middle. It's either with him or apart from him. Because he will separate. And you will have chosen which one. Jesus said. Let's pray. Father, only you know just how torn up I am. In the best ways, I'm torn up by your grace. In the hardest ways, I'm torn up by all of us who have fallen short and still walk that out and don't want you. God, I pray for salvation for my family and my friends and people that I don't even know. And I pray, Jesus, for us saved ones to live more like you, to live like forever with you is real because it is, and we want people to know you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your truth and how holy, holy, holy you are. God, I pray this in your perfect name. Amen.